Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, March 21st, 2013. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 11 of Vision for You on page 163, and we're going to begin at the bottom of that page, the paragraph that begins, So Our Fellow Worker Will Soon Have Friends Galore. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, March 20th, is 4116. That's 4116. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Irini to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini. I'd now like to ask Margaret H. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, A Vision for You. My name is Margaret. I'm a compulsive overeater in Illinois. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. 
lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, my dear Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are in Chapter 11 of Vision for You on page 163. At the bottom of that page, the paragraph that begins, so our fellow worker will soon have friends galore. And this morning I would like to ask Kathy Kay to please get us started. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Kathy Kay from Massachusetts, a recovered compulsive overeater. So our fellow worker will soon have friends galore. Some of them may sink and perhaps never get up. But if our experience is a criterion, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous when a few men in this city have found themselves and have discovered the joy of helping others to face life again, there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had the opportunity to recover, if he can and will. Um, so um, I'm, I'm very aware of it says more than half of us approach will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, um, when I first read that this morning, I thought to myself, well, more than half, that's not really that good. Um, what happens to that other half? Um, and um, I know for many years uh, when I was in the 12-step rooms but not actively working the steps, I um, thought I was doomed to be one of those who was constitutionally incapable of getting this program. And actually, if you uh, look back um, on how it works, uh, it says in the first paragraph, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And, you know, um, I, I never really absorbed what that meant until I got to the vision for you and until I started reading this book in great detail and realized that I had not been entirely honest and I had not been rigorous about working each step in order with the help of a sponsor. Um, so I think um, this paragraph, while it's emphasizing 
the wonderful value of fellowship, it's also reminding us um, that we have to be rigorously honest, and we will be one of those who get it, and we will be one delighted to help others if we actively work the steps. That I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. This is Sarah. Can I share? Go ahead, Sarah. So it says, good morning. Um, it says there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had his opportunity to recover, if he can and will. To me, that's saying that you know, it says more than half will, um, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Not everyone will adopt this way of living, but everyone will have had the opportunity to. And it's up to us. It's always a choice. Will we pick up the spiritual toolkit or won't we? And, um, you know, everyone in the town will have the opportunity if he can and will. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity that this meeting um, has given me. And um, I find it very special to be on page 164. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. Well, this is Janice, and I am a compulsive overeater recovered. Thank you, God. You know, I'm going to jump right in here because this paragraph um, is very significant. It's very significant. You know, when they talk about, so our fellow will soon have friends galore. You know, they've been talking in this paragraph about what it's like to carry the message. You know, that it's, that it's a duty and a responsibility and a pleasure and that it keeps us in fit spiritual condition, that it keeps us in recovery. So we, we do it for all those reasons. I do it for all those reasons. But they're referring to their own experience. And back in the forward to the third edition, it says on page XX, of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. Showed improvement. But 50% got sober at once and remained that way. You know, isn't that a wonderful thing? 50%. Half of those approached grabbed hold as if their lives depended on it and stayed sober and carried this message. You know, I'm reminded what we always hear is that willingness is an inside job. That is not something we can give to someone. Willingness is an inside job. But when someone is willing, when they can and will grab hold, when they want it, as if their life depends on it, there's no stopping them. There's no stopping them. And they become fellows of Overeaters Anonymous, become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, and some of them never recover. Some of them, you know, we don't know who it is who's going to have that willingness. And perhaps they try and then get sober. You know, 25%, another 25% keeps on trying and then they get sober. Then they get abstinent. You know, what a, what a blessing, what a beautiful thing that is. You know, and when we continue... The joy of helping others, the joy of helping others is what we experience. And as people discover that joy in helping others, you know, when they see people come back from the depths, like I have, wouldn't you want to continue doing that? I tell you, it's like nothing else. It's like nothing else. But those people who can and will recover won't know unless we carry the message. How will they know? about this spiritual experience, this spiritual awakening, this solution, if I don't continue to carry the message. But when I carry the, me the message, 
I am given the opportunity one day to, at a time to experience that happiness and that joy that comes from that. And we make fast friends. We make fast friends. Those of us who would not normally mix become fast friends. And I just got to tell you, I saw it last night at my Wednesday night meeting as someone celebrated 10 years of recovery, 10 years of being in the trenches and carrying the message. And it was a beautiful thing to watch. But those new people sitting there, hardly believing their eyes that this can happen, begin to believe it can happen for them too, but only because we carry the message. And it's a wonderful thing. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Good morning, it's Leah. First Kim and then Leah. Thank you. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. Some of them may sink and perhaps never get up, but if our experience is a criterion, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm so glad that Janice read that part from the forward to the second edition. You know, and that 75% recovery rate is unbelievable. I mean, people in, in, in AA now, they, they can't claim that even close. And we're lucky in LA if we can claim 3%. You know, so what's the difference? You know, in 1955, when the, when the second edition was printed, when you went into an AA meeting, you heard this big book. There was no difference between the two different OAs, the AAs, because there are two AAs. There is AA the Fellowship, and there is AA the Program of Recovery, which is this big book. So when people walked into an AA meeting in 1955, they walked in to the Program of Recovery. There was no difference, and that's why they got that recovery rate. You know, it says some of them may think and perhaps never get up. You know, I remember I, I was going to OA for about six to eight months, and and I would go to meetings, and, I, and one of the main reasons I went was because that hour and a half I was in the meeting, that was the hour and a half of the day I wasn't eating. I might eat my way to that meeting, and I might eat my way on the way home, but at least that hour and a half I wasn't eating. And someone came up to me after the meeting and said, asked about you know when I started coming, and she was like, well, well why don't you join OA? And I'm like, what do you think I'm telling you? I'm just telling you, I've been going to meetings for eight, you know, coming here for eight months. She goes, she goes no, you've been attending meetings. Why don't you join Overeaters Anonymous? We have this 12-step program you might want to check out. Because that's what I recognized. I was just attending meetings. I was using the fellowship as a way to try to give myself enough willpower to not eat. And I think it's funny now. I was in LA for 15 years in a 12-step program, and I wasn't really doing the 12 steps. You know, the 12 steps are clear-cut directions. And I was using the OA as a diet program, and I was using 12 steps as if they were optional and only did them when it was convenient. You know, this program is not convenient. This program has clear-cut directions, which we are finishing up these books, this book now, and we're seeing the benefit of following those directions. And I'm just going to end with that last paragraph. There will be no stopping until everyone in that town has the opportunity to recover, if he can and will. And look at this meeting. We have a meeting where we're averaging 150, 160, 170. We had 180 last week. And that's just people listening live. Everyone on this line has an opportunity. Everyone on this line has an opportunity. Everyone who listens to the recording has an opportunity. Everyone who goes on the website has an opportunity. But that opportunity will only come true if you work for it if you take these clear-cut directions, if you put aside your prejudices of what the fellowship is and you look at what the program of recovery is. Because in an ideal situation, the fellowship will support you, but this program of recovery will change you. And that change, that psychic change, that personality change is what's going to allow you to recover, to recover from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Go ahead, Leah. Thanks so much, Janice. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive reader. It says some of them may sink and perhaps never get up, but if our experience 
is a criterion, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. And a criterion means a measure, a yardstick, a standard rule or test on which a judgment or decision can be based. Um, you know, this book was was written, it was penned by men and women who were suffering from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body who, through these action steps, became reborn, not in body, obviously, but in mind. Uh, they had a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery it's a true story, you know. It's a true story, and it's their experience. This, these pages that we study, we study them because they're a collective voice and a collective experience and wisdom of people who blaze the trail, and it's never been improved upon. You know, it was written in 1939. It's never been changed. It's never been expanded. I mean, you, any other subject matter, any other text gets expanded. It gets improved upon. It gets, um, you know, changed throughout the years, throughout the decades, but not this solution. The solution hasn't been changed. And then we who are recovered on this line come forward and say, you know, it. The same thing that happened, the same transformation that happened for these men and women who pen these pages have happened to us as well. And we each have experiences in the trenches watching people transform. So uh, it's experience. You know, it's not some theatrical production here every morning. <laughs> you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I never wanted to be a compulsive overeater, that's for sure. Uh, and it may surprise you, but my life dream, my life goal was not to be here every morning at 7 a.m. on the phone speaking to you. I, I certainly had other dreams for myself, but I can tell you that uh, the transformation that they say occurred has occurred for me and for so many others. It says when a few men in this city have found themselves and have discovered the joy of helping others to face life again, there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had his opportunity to recover if he can and will. And that's exactly the purpose of meetings, is for recovered people to carry that message. We don't discuss the theory of the 12 steps. We teach how to implement them. We simply say, perhaps your plan for living produced you and the results that you have right now, and perhaps you want to think about another plan for living, you know, and you get the opportunity to go to face-to-face -face meetings or you get the opportunity to get on the line every day and you get to hear recovered people and you get to hear us from different facets of life and different age brackets and different socioeconomic backgrounds and different religious backgrounds, different occupational backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, different social backgrounds, different, you know, old ph philosophical backgrounds. And some of us are old and some of us are younger and some of us are perhaps black, white, oriental, wherever we span the globe. But we're going to get up and talk, and you're going to get to hear the results of the 12 steps. Hear the results of the 12 steps. And those of us that are recovered, you know, if we've not touched your lives in any way, we've, we have failed. <laughs> you know, at least that's the way I look at it. If I've not touched your life in any way, I feel I have failed. And I have absolutely no interest, just like these men and women who wrote these pages, no interest in power or personal recognition or personal success, but I have an enormous interest in having influence. It's not about being power hungry. It's just that we want to touch lives. We have a responsibility to do that, but also it's a genuine delight and pleasure to watch these miracles occur in other people. God uses recovered people. And we are the agents. We're not, we are, we're necessary, but we're not sufficient to make that change that a person makes. We can be the catalyst. And, you know, when it says here, there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had his opportunity to recover if he can and will. You know, there are hundreds who listen to a vision for you. Do all of them recover? Do all of them recover? Unfortunately not. Why not? 
Why don't they all recover? They all listen to the same thing. Because our words have to hit something in an individual to provoke that change, to provoke that response. As it says in, in earlier in the book, our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. You know, sometimes people are afraid they might scare someone new off. But what I've personally learned is you don't scare the dying. If you don't want to recover, there's nothing I can say to you to help. And if you do want to recover, there's nothing I can say really that will do you any harm. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Sheila. I'd like to share. Go ahead. Hi, again, this is Sheila from New York, a compulsive overeater, and I just wanted to step in here and say that I've been in another fellowship and I've done my step work, and I've been in that fellowship for over 20 years. But the step work that I'm doing now in this program is by far the challenges for me because in that program you're focusing on not focusing on other people. In this one, you're focusing on you. And the recovery work and the healthy I've been in a lot of different rooms, and this is probably one of the most healthy ones I've tapped into, and I'm very, very grateful for that because the focus is on recovery. The focus is on doing the work. I know for sure what happens if you don't do the work in other programs, and I'm afraid what happens if I don't do the work I need to do in this one. But with this particular work that I'm doing now and this focus, I love what someone said the other day. You have to bathe yourself in the big book. And I'm carrying that with me each and every day. And I'm grateful for the leaders that started this program and for everyone that takes the time to get up and dial in. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sheila. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Katie from Boston. Go ahead, Katie. Hi, this is Katie. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater, and this is my first time sharing at this meeting. I've listened. I've had the privilege and honor of listening for quite a while, and I'm truly grateful. Um, You'll forgive me if I'm a little nervous, but um, I guess for me what happened in this program is that I came in because I was dying of food, and I wanted my weight to stop looking like an EKG. And I grabbed onto the food plan and I grabbed onto the tools and I ran with it because I was dying. I had no other choice. I was unemployable. I was in a relationship that I had no business being in and my life was crashing down around me. And I believed the lie that if I just stayed in a thin body that I would get my stuff, right? Like I looked around me and I saw all these people talking at meetings about how they were thin now. So they got married and they had kids and they had a job and they had this and they had that. And I worked the steps out of different formats, but never through the book. And so what happened is my life came crashing down on me in sobriety, in abstinence, because I was trying to make you my God. I was trying to make my sponsor my God. And like every that I could find to be a human power, I made my human power. Like I would find a new religion that my sponsor was doing, right? So I would go to that religion, whether or not, and there's nothing wrong with that religion, but like that's not what the, that's not what the 12 steps is telling me. It doesn't say I need to find religion. It says I need to find, I need to have a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. I need to find a relationship with God that's mine, you know, a personal relationship, but I was still blocked by selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. In abstinence, in a thin body, I was fired from a job four times. Why? Because each time I thought if I just try harder, if I just change jobs, if I just change geographic locations, I'll be okay. In abstinence, I was in a, the best relationship I was in was with a married man. Now, I'm telling you, he, I had all my friends buying into it. Because, oh, well, they weren't living together and they were going to get divorced. Who cares? Like, that was the best I could do. I should have walked away. But because I didn't have a relationship with God, because I was still so blocked by my selfishness, by my dishonesty, my resentment and fear, because I had no way of working a personal inventory every day, you know, that was the best I could do. 
and then sponsoring, I mean, my relationships were terrible. Like I thought you were either better than me or you were worse than me, and I acted accordingly. I had no way of living. And that for me is what separates me as a true crazy, you know, um, low bottom compulsive overeater, you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't talk my way out because I had no spiritual solution. And thank you God today for the big book that tells me how to sponsor. Thank you God today for the book that tells me I have a, um, I have an, an, an illness in my mind, you know, and that is, I, I still today, I am, I am still suffering from a mental illness. But, like, today I'm in remission, you know, because I have the steps to tell me, okay, when I'm agitated and doubtful, what do I do? You know, it's not enough for me to just maintain a body weight. Like, that's just a symptom of a deeper um, psychological, spiritual illness. And um, I'm just so grateful to have a solution today. And I just want to say to anyone who's out there who's feeling crazy and lonely and confused and they're abstinent, like, abstinence is just the beginning. It was just the beginning for me. You know, and um, my solution has to come from a power greater than me, you know, and he will come to me if I seek him every day and get out of the biggest problem, which is me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Hi, my name is Tatiana. I would like to share my experience. Go ahead, Tatiana. Um, this is, I would like to read, everyone in this town uh, has had uh, his opportunity to recover if he can and will. It was me, because I came to this program, I didn't know English very well, I didn't understand in this meeting anything, but my teeth grabbed this program. I was suffering because I didn't have a, I have a big uh, depression. I, but my second suffering was I didn't understand English, but my willing was in very, very high position. And uh, you see, I cannot find a uh, sponsor I, uh, because I cannot speak in English. I didn't understand any word, but I every day I um, translate this book. My husband bo- was involved in this process. And finally, I get a very good result. I didn't have some uh, uh, sponsor, but uh, my willingness was in very, very uh, high position. And my heart feel only this program and my big, deep, big, deep job can, ge- can give me result. When I did it four steps, I spent maybe five hours per day. My husband told where is our lunch? I told, I don't care about our lunch. Take a visa, go to restaurant, because I do my job. He told, is it full-time job, this program? I told him, you see, I need recovery. This is, I would like to tell everybody, I have very high level of willingness, and I believe that only God can fix me if I will be do this program. Thank you very much for uh, listening. Mm, thank you, Tatiana. Thank you for being here. Well, we'll move on to the next paragraph. And Katie, would you please read that for us? Okay, so I start with still, you may say? Correct, correct. Thanks, Katie. Okay, I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. But you may say... Still, you may say that I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. We cannot be sure. God will determine that. So you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. And um, the asterisk says, Alcoholics Anonymous will be glad to hear from you and give the address. Um, You know, I uh, have lifelong friends now. I have friends. Um, who I met at my first meeting when I got abstinent on October 7, 1987. But there were a lot of people in that room, and I have no idea where they all went. Um, this, these two these paragraphs we have been reading um, just to me emphasizes so much that we don't know 
who the next person is that's going to recover. No one would have put five cents on my recovery. I had been to meetings for six years. I'd heard this over and over and over and over. I went to meetings every day for months on end, and yet I picked up the food. I didn't get it. I did not get this program. And my own experience tells me that I can't judge another person by um, whether they're going to get it, whether they're going to be recovered. And my job is to carry the message. And, you know, I am not dependent, as Kim was saying earlier, you know, or someone, I don't know who it was, someone was saying earlier that, um, you know, they were dependent on everybody else's form of religion or everybody else's, you know, they made someone else their higher power. And, you know, that may work, like, for initially, that you, if you don't have a higher power, you do need to just say, well, it's not me, and be open and willing to uh, find the God of your understanding. But that will not work long term. You have to develop your own relationship with God. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you're confined to the same meeting for the rest of your life. It doesn't mean that you... Uh, are confined to anything. This program will take you on the ride of your life if you will surrender to um, to God because it's God who will always be with you. You know, those people that, um, you know, there's scores of people who I, you know, looked up to when I first got abstinence and, you know, eventually some of them didn't stick around but that didn't affect my relation my program because my relation my program is not based on individuals it's based on my relationship with god and you know that's where we are here we're on you know the end of the um the explanation of how to work this program and that's you know steps 10 11 and 12 that's what i live out every day of my life is how do I carry the message? How do I stay in conscious contact with my higher power? How do I, you know, check over what I have done the day before? You know, do I make apologies um, immediately when I um, make a mistake? Do I, uh, you know, do I work this program to the best of my ability? And the answer is yes, I do on a daily basis. Am I perfect? No. Do I not need these rooms? Yes, I do. I still need these rooms. I still uh, want to share with newcomers, and I'm grateful for my friends that I've had for over 20 years because they know where I came from. They know who and what I uh, was, and they can point me in the right direction. Um, you know, it's, when they wrote this book, I mean, these men were still living. But I tell you, it's a huge comfort to know that Bill Wilson and Bob, um, Dr. Bob died sober. You know, that is a huge thing to know that, yes, this program does work to the end. And, you know, I want to be one of those statistics one day at a time, God willing. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? It's Irini. Go ahead, Edini. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual fellows. My name is Edini, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. The key here is to trust and rely on God. He will show you how to create a fellowship. So fellowship is to first be in relation in a relationship with God. And what does that mean? At the beginning, I used to use God as a Santa Claus. I gave him a list of what I wanted. And then I realized that I needed to ask what God, what I should do for God. What can I do for you? And it's a give and take. The Greek word for fellowship is kinonia. And that comes from a root meaning common or shared. So fellowship really means common participation in something either by giving what you have to the other person or receiving what he or she has. So it's a give and take is the true essence of um, a fellowship. And as long as we trust and rely on God, 
it would be followed through. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Edini. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Well, this is Janice, and I left. Well, excuse me? I'm sorry, this is Diane. Go ahead, Diane. Good morning. Um, yes, I just wanted to say that, you know, I was in OA in the 80s, and and um, yes, I lost the weight. I lost 80 pounds. And <clears throat> I stayed there, and what Kim had to say, what Kim says a lot, and which... <laughs> which just rings true for me, is, you know, I used it as a diet. I never did any steps. They read them at the meeting. You know, I, I joined AWOLS. Um, that's a study of the big book. Um, I never lasted long in those. Um, you know, and I knew the first time I came into the program and I lost that weight that, you know, I was going to eat Thanksgiving. You know, I was going to lose. I'm not like everybody in that room. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna eat once I lose the weight. And and I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna um be like them. And uh I had a God in my life. I love my God. I always had a God in my life. But you know, I, I did that. I ate. I sure did, and that eighty pounds came back on and then some. And you know, I used it as a diet and then that was the 80s and the 90s and back and forth, in and out of program, not working for me, it's not for me. And then I moved to New Hampshire and there's no meetings that, you know, there's some, but there's maybe two people at a meeting. And I come from Massachusetts where there's a good 50 people. And, you know, it, it just was different. And so I, I was out there years eating. And uh, when I came back to this program this time um, last year, I heard what I needed to hear, you know. I heard a program that I, that I knew that I was lacking, you know, and that program was the study of the steps. And, and I have a sponsor who's bringing me through the steps. What a different program, you know, and I'm living this program, and I love this program, and it's a different program than I ever did before. And, and um, um, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm just so grateful, grateful, grateful for a vision for you um, that has brought me to, you know, to my knees, to my knees and said, God, please, you know, I'm, help me. I want this so bad. And, um, and these people who wrote this book, you know, they had this transformation and they carried the message. Thank you, God. You know, thank you, God. Because now... I'm doing that. I'm carrying the message, you know. I'm starting to go to these little meetings around here. And I've, I've brought my big book. And I put that on the table. And nobody else in the room has one. You know, they're not reading the big book. And so, um, you know, and they see, they see my big book is highlighted. And the, the things that really impact me and, and I'm just so grateful. Thank you for letting me share. I guess. Thank you, Diane. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, here, here we go again. The big book says, still, you may say, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you who wrote this book. Well, here you and I sit today in 2013. You know, we also don't have the benefit of contact with those who wrote the book. You know, so the big book knows so well that we are oh so human and that those who had nothing but this big book in their hands would have doubts about what they could do. But it's a reminder, it's a beautiful reminder that God will determine what we can do. God will determine that. And that if I have worked these steps and I've had that spiritual awakening that was promised as a result of working the steps, that God will determine where that power is going to take me, where that power is going to lead me. And if I remember that my real reliance is always upon things 
spiritual upon God and not on my oh-so-human weaknesses and strength, that together with this power greater than me, that will be the open door to creating something new and wonderful and beautiful for myself and for others. But, you know, I am reminded back on page 98, it says, burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trust in God and clean house. And I like to add, and help others. Trust God, clean house, help others. And then the fellowship that I crave, the connection that I crave. You know, we say it's a disease of isolation. And indeed it was for me. You know, that worse than, better than, always in scarcity mode, always living as if something was going to be taken from me or something I had, you know, was going to be taken away from me. You know, how could I be in connection with God and with my fellows living that way? But I was transformed just like everyone else who has worked these steps is transformed. And then my real reliance can be upon God. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm I'm not sure if it's Leah or Paula, and I don't want (laughs) to. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Paula, and then Leah. Okay, that's all right. I Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, I'm loving sense of water. I never had it in my life, and boy, ain't it great now. I just want to look at that, that last line, and I'm going to scoot right on down to that. He will show you how to create the fellowship, that that created me himself, the fellowship you crave. What I craved in life, I didn't crave a fellowship. I wanted to be away from, but yet... The insanity was I wanted to be part of. How could those two come together? But here it was. He will show you how. I needed clear-cut directions because I didn't know how. And that part, the fellowship you crave. And I kept asking and I kept coming. I brought my willingness, as the big book says, and all through the big book, it says, ask God, ask God, ask God, and that I did. And will I say that transformation? Yeah. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. I just wanted to focus on that part where it says God will determine that, so you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. And that word reliance means dependence, trust, and confidence. And uh, the whole point of this book is to develop that relationship to trust, depend, and rely on that inner unsuspected resource. Um, You know, it says at the top of the page here, uh, discovered the joy of helping others to face life again. You know, that was my issue. I had a rough time living. I was uncomfortable on the planet. Uh, I didn't have a rough time compulsive overeating. I did that very, very well. What I had a problem with was living. I felt unmanageability long before I took my, you know, had my first blowout violent binge. And I felt the same degree of unmanageability long after I had my last binge. I had to learn how to live again. These 12 steps gave me a way, a a manual to life because I, I binged to change the way I felt and to make the world less threatening. That's called compulsive overeating. I binged in order to alter my reality. What was I going to depend on when I was no longer going to depend on those substances? I mean, the pain I felt, I was misdiagnosing the whole time. You know, I thought the pain meant, uh, you know, if, if, if only I had more money, I wouldn't feel this pain. If only people did 
certain things, I wouldn't have this pain within. Or if my parents had only done certain things, I wouldn't have that pain. If there was another relationship, a trip to Hawaii, you know, uh, a, a, a different job. Or, you know, I was mi- misdiagnosing the pain. The pain that I had was a spiritual pain. I had this uh, false dependency. I constantly was looking outside for fulfillment, for validation, for the security and the stability to be on this planet comfortably. What the program of recovery taught me is that reliance uh, is this unsuspected inner resource within that not only includes all the things that I just mentioned, but is infinitely greater than anything the world can offer. So it's just a reminder here for me that my real reliance is always upon him. And when I was beaten into a state of reasonableness way back in January 1987, I decided to base my life on the, on the assumption that these words are true. That these words are true. And this eliminated the, the doubt and the uncertainty and the intellectual gymnastics that I had previously put myself through. Because what came to be obvious through listening to others who were recovered and watching them live was that a life based on the belief that God exists, that this love and superhuman strength and direction exists, is far superior to a life without that foundation. And this would be true even if God did not exist. <laughs> you know, that's the came-to-believe part. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. That is the came-to-believe part, where these steps allowed for awakening up of my spirit, awakening up inside. So this reliance is so important. My problem was, was not that God needed to be proved me. My problem was that I needed to start acting as if it were true and stop acting as if it were not true. And action was the key word there, to rely. How do I get to rely? Through this implementation of these steps. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? I would, Judith. <clears throat> Go ahead. Um, Judith. Compulsive Reader in Vermont, um, he will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. And I think it's no coincidence that Bill chose to use the word crave. Until now, craving has referred to alcohol or food. But what we really are hungry for is the fellowship. And not only the fellowship within rooms, but fellowship with our higher power because our higher power is the only one who's going to give us a relationship that will never fail us. So I just think that's delicious that he said the fellowship you crave. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Judith. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sherry. Go ahead, Sherry. Thank you. Um, I'm, uh, this, I'm, I'm Sherry, and I'm a compulsive overeater here in Georgia. Um, I'm still loving this vision for you. Um, the um, when Leah said self-dependency, um, that's what I had um, for really my 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 whole life, um, and that I was so reliant on myself with everything. I, I can envision me um, driving a bus with my hands on the steering wheel turning turning white as I gripped it. Um, and, and I did that with everything. So, uh, you know, there was no room for God because it was it was up to me. And, and so... Um, uh, and, and so when when she said that self dependency, it kind of clicked with me. Oh, I can I can relax now. I can I can really um, work on my relationship with my higher power. Um, and uh, also, I wanted to comment on a couple of sentences here. Are you still there? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm about to run out of energy on my phone, but anyway. Um, Everyone in that town has had his opportunity to, to recover if he can and, his, and he will. 
if he can and will. And that right there, if he can and will, um, is this what Sherry is going to do? It just spoke to me that if he can and will. And also, um, you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. I love it when a sentence really does jump out at me that I've not ever read before in this book. Um, it is just a, a huge gift to me, um, and I, I, you know, I try to keep this program close to me every day. Um, anyway, um, and, and this vision for you is a good is a good reminder for me to do that. So the more that I get up and get on this um, this phone, um, you know, the better off I'm going to be for the rest of the day. Anyway, um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. We have time for one more before we close today. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Steve, Florida. Go ahead, Steve. Sharon. The word, the word Steve, overeater, chronic, foodaholic my whole life. The word reliance, I can use, I can remember that word for the whole day, for the rest of my life, reliance on God. And my experience, what it's asking for, and what my experience is to rely on God first. More important than losing weight, more important than anything in my life. It is what, if I didn't have this disease, I wouldn't have the need to rely on God. So I'm, in a sense, thankful that I have this disease, and I'm thankful that I have these steps, and these steps are pointing out in the end to rely on God. And it's written of in all kinds of traditions, to seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, but not to be religious at all, but to put God first. God is first. God's the source of my life. God's the answer to my everything. God's, that God's where happiness comes from. God's where fulfillment comes from. And when I'm, uh, I'm going from carboholic to godaholic, and that's the only solution, and not just for weight. But I put that first. My goal is to merge and to rely on God. It's not to lose weight first. And uh, so rely on God. And I'm going to just keep that foremost in my head and in my heart all day today. And that's my commitment, to rely on God all day. And I pass. Thank you, Steve. Was there someone else who wanted to share? My name is Sharon. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I'm a compulsive eater in Denver, Colorado. And I, too, um, this um, sentence just jumped off the page. God will determine that, that. So you must, you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. And um, I have just been so convicted since I started listening to this program back in July of um, <clears throat> how um, the fellowship was always, I guess, more important to me than really, really diligently, diligently uh, making that my banner that uh, God is the one I must depend on and I also must work these steps. And I, too, came in. Uh, I could really relate to what Leah shared about if my parents were different, if my husband wouldn't have left me, if this, if that. And I just had it all backwards. So I just want to um, thank all of you on the line, all of you who are recovered, and your commitment to um, keep the focus on where it belongs, which is in this book, following these clear directions, and one day at a time. I want to be one of those that has the opportunity to recover because I do want to recover. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, we'll close here. Thank you for everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Penny C., can you read that for us, please? Yes, good morning. This is Penny C. from uh, Boston area. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understood God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 